0: All right, what an amazing morning it's been, and uh, that, was, that felt kind of like the, the great American preach-off right there. I was so blown away by just the wisdom and the insight of uh, many of these church leaders and pastors, just tremendous. And uh, Pastor Miles, that was amazing this morning. I, I told him, I said, hey man, when you start coming east on your book tour, I'm your first stop. So there you go. Pastor Benny and Wendy, uh, the Church LV, such amazing leaders, such humble hearts. We are so honored to be in this city with you and to serve alongside you. And you are marking lives for eternity. We feel blessed to partner. Uh, We feel blessed to know we're all on the same team cheering each other on. And I'm very, our city is so much better because of their presence and their leadership. And so thank you guys for your leadership for all you do. Pastor Dino DeLynn, you guys are tremendous. Does anybody love pe- people quite the way these guys do? And uh, your heart for, for planters, for spreading the good news of Jesus all around the world is just tremendous. What Ark is doing, I don't know of any organization doing what Ark's doing. And I love it, I absolutely love it. So we're just honored to be a part and be able to share uh, in what you're doing by hosting you today and by celebrating all that God is doing in you and through you. I want to talk to you a little bit about your calling. I can remember uh, a while back, by the way, uh, I had the guys light up the runway. Because I know you've wanted somebody to come out here and show you how this really works, right? I do use this every weekend in case you're wondering. So uh, it's pretty cool, because see, changes the vibe, right? You're all gonna have runways in your churches pretty soon. Um, So I'm gonna work this a little bit, but hey, uh, so, I was on a flight from Atlanta to Vegas uh, several years ago, and any, it was on a Friday, Friday night. Any flight coming into Vegas on Friday night is sold out always is and so it's not a fun flight to be on because you're sort of like packed in the back everybody's coming to vegas to uh, you know blow off steam have fun and uh, so i was flying in i was in the back of the plane i was up against the window seat the guy next to me was you know we, we had a few words at the beginning of the flight he's like hey what do you do you know i'm going to vegas to have fun and all that why are you going to vegas i said well i'm a pastor That conversation was over, right? So he starts getting his drinks, you know, and he's having fun. And by about two thirds of the way into the flight, the guy next to me is getting a little bit toasty, right? And all of a sudden he lifts his glass up and he starts singing these words. 99 bottles of beer on the wall 99 bottles of beer and he says everybody take one down pass it around 98 bottles of beer on the wall and the flight attendant starts singing and the people in the rows around me start saying, 98 bottles of beer on the wall 98 bottles of beer and this goes on until literally the entire plane on an american airlines flight is singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall no i'm not making this up and they sang it all the way down to 80 bottles of beer uh, All, all of the they just kept going. Now, at first it was kind of funny. It's kind of cute, right? But as it goes along, you're like, oh my gosh, are they they ever going to stop? Just shut up. They just kept going, hitting the call button for another drink. And I remember sitting there in that moment. I was going through a lot of leadership challenges at Central. Uh, I felt like I was really emotionally tired and worn out And I remember looking out the window of that flight. And it was dark outside, but as I looked out that window, I just started to pray. And I wasn't praying for the people on my flight, except that they would be quiet or pass out. (laughs) My, My prayer sounded something like this. I said, God, I don't think I have it in me to keep doing what you've called me to do. In fact... I'm not even sure. I've always thought you were a little crazy to put me in this role, and now, you know, I'm thinking I'm proving out everything I thought to be true to begin with, God, I'm not sure it's working. We're flying into my city singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall, and this is considered normal. I'm not sure we're making enough of a difference, God. I'm not sure we're taking any ground. Why does it always have to feel so uphill? And I remember sitting in that moment, it was a Moses moment. You remember Moses, Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. Moses has had enough of the grumbling, the complaining, the whining, the uphill struggle, the battle. Nothing ever comes easy. It's always hard. It's always challenging. And listen to what Moses says in his prayer to God. Check this out. He says, Numbers 11, 11, he says, God, what did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Come on! This is Moses. Moses is like, what did I ever do to you, God? Look at this. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. And then this is my favorite. If this is how you intend to treat me, Just go ahead and kill me. (laughs) Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Have you ever felt the weight of that prayer? This is Moses right the great man of God I mean the one who receives the Ten Commandments and he's like look God I'm tired I'm worn out and if you look at this is how you're gonna treat me just take me out man just finish me off look if you've never felt the weight of that prayer you will you will maybe after the 500th email from somebody complaining about the volume of the music in your church services. Or the style of the music. Or the fact that they're allergic to perfume and somebody sitting on the row next to them wears a lot of perfume. driving home from that counseling appointment that you've had again and again and again, and it's not working and they're not listening and they just say the same thing and you say the same thing. You pray for them and you just move on into, it's like Groundhog Day, (laughs) right? And you're like, I just don't know if this is, working god i don't know what's going on when you take up that offering i had a friend who's a church planner here in town he's doing a great work but in his early work i just really tried to encourage him and one day he texted me he said judd you're not gonna believe this i just passed the offering my total collective offering for this entire service was a ten dollar bill i'm like going to be okay someday that offering is going to be ten thousand dollars right right now you just hang on you just hold on you don't give up you don't check out you don't quit you just keep your hand to the plow we all have those moments right we all have those days when you walk in to a restaurant and um you see a family that planted with you or started with you a family that spent a lot of years with you who somehow got hurt in church life or the church dynamic changed or their relationship to you changed and so they left and went to another church and you took that deeply and personally I always i always love people we're, we're leaving the church but don't take it personally and how am i supposed to take that i don't know i understand the sentiment but Everything is personal when your whole heart and soul is invested in it, you know, and so it's hard, right? It's a hard thing. So you walk in the restaurant, they see you, at least you think they see you, you see them, and you're going to go over and say hi to them, even though it's been hard. And they just sort of position their back to act like they can't see you and don't even bother coming over. You ever been there? You ever had that moment? If you haven't, you will. And it hurts, right? It hurts. And you feel like Moses. (laughs) That's where I was on the plane that day flying back into Vegas so over the last several years, God has been doing a work in my heart and life. And I just wanna encourage you with a few things that I've learned to help me embrace my calling and to help you embrace your calling. Because I don't doubt that some of you are tired and worn out. I don't doubt that some of you are right there in your life today. And if that's where you're at, I wanna encourage you. And I wanna do it by looking at a passage in the Old Testament of the Bible that we don't talk a lot about. We're gonna go to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. I, look, I believe that if what God did for us on the cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest expression of his love for all of us as people, then I believe the second greatest expression of the love of God is found tucked away in the book of Hosea. God comes to Hosea, who was a prophet, and he asked him to do something he never asked anybody to do before or since. He says, look, Hosea, my people are being unfaithful, my people have turned their back on me. He says, ultimately he's saying, Hosea, I want you to not just deliver the message to the people, I want you to experience the heartbreak and the pain that I experience so that when you deliver this message, it's got a whole new level of teeth and passion in it. So he says, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Say, what? So that's what Hosea does, right? He goes and he marries Gomer, right? Which always makes me think about Gomer Pyle. Surprise, surprise, surprise. He marries Gomer. And then what, 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 is, what does Gomer do? Gomer breaks his heart again and again and again. Gomer continues to be unfaithful. Gomer continues to sleep with other men. Gomer continues to actually have children from different fathers. And is in this situation again and again and again where his heart is broken and destroyed and crushed over all of this. And God is saying, look, I'm going to give you a picture of how I love my people through the relationship of Hosea and Gomer. And so in Hosea chapter 3, God comes to uh, Hosea, and here's what he, here's what he says, Hosea 3.1. It says, then the Lord said to me, look at this, go and love your wife again. Now, I just want you to sit on that word for a minute. Go and love your wife Again even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. God God comes to Hosea, he says, look, this is your calling, Hosea, I I don't know how tough your calling is right now. For some of you, you're planting, you're taught, you're in a move up, uh, 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 you set up, tear down situation every week. It's hard, it's frustrating. You know, some of you, you know, you, you stepped into a church leadership situation where you followed somebody who didn't lead very well, and it's hard, and it's frustrating, and you're trying to clean up the mess. Look, it's not a lot easier on the other end. I followed a great leader. I'm not sure what's worse. You follow a great leader, you never be good enough. So, I'm just telling you, some of you are in a place where you're tired and you're weary, and this is the word I think God has for you today. It's the same word God gave to Hosea. His calling was hard. No matter how hard your calling is, I bet it's not as hard as Hosea's calling. And God came to him and said, go and love again. Go and love again. Here's my challenge to you. Love the calling you have, not the one you wish you had love the calling you have not the one you wish you had first principle from hosea go and love your calling go and love your calling it was a few years ago a guy came by here at the church wanted to meet with me and i was actually in a meeting i was actually right around the corner in the coffee shop and uh, I didn't even know he was in the building, but I wasn't able to meet with him. We offered to have him meet with another pastor, offered to, you know, make a way that he could email or call and set up an appointment. He didn't want any of that, and he left, and he was mad. He was upset. He uh, comes back a, a few hours later, same thing all over again. He wants to meet with me. I'm in a meeting with somebody. You know, you can't just be standing around waiting for people to walk in, right? You know, and so he's mad. He's upset. He's frustrated. He leaves. He comes back a little later, wants to meet with me again, and again, they're like, look, you know, he's, he can't just meet with you right now. So that... Next morning, about 5 a.m., he decides he's going to drive his old beat-up Kia through the front doors of our church, just right out here, and he does, like, demolition derby all around our lobby, smashing into walls, spinning around, doing donuts in the lobby. Come on, somebody. The whole deal, right? Goes all the way, goes down this hallway, down this hallway, comes up the back hallway and gets stuck about right past where those drums are right there because the hallway gets more narrow, but he didn't stop there. He brought rocks that he had stored in the he climbs out one of the windows, grabs the rocks, and starts busting holes in the walls, busting glass, all of that. The cops had to tase him multiple times to get him down. But we could, for a season, do drive-through weddings right here, at central. Come on in. Drive through. We'll marry you. Send John down the road. Hopefully, you've never had somebody drive through your church but I know you've all had somebody drive through your heart. I know you've all had somebody do demolition derby with gossip, with negativity, with side conversations, people questioning your leadership, people going around you, people undermining what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, and it can get frustrating and it can get messy and you can get really weary. Can you imagine? Here's Hosea and Gomer, the one he's called to love, continues to destroy, continues to tear down, continues to lie. All of this is going on. And God says, look, love her anyway. God says to you and me, love the church anyway. Love your people anyway. Love your city anyway. Even if it hurts, even if it's frustrating, even if it's hard, love them anyway. Check this out. Eventually, you read in the next verse that Hosea takes some pretty radical steps to go and love his wife again. Check this out. Hosea chapter 3 verse 2 says, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Which kind of sounds like some, I don't know, elements from a bizarre scavenger hunt. But scholars tell us that this was the price of a slave in the ancient world. So you read between the lines a little bit. Hosea has to go and start knocking on doors to try and find where Gomer is. And that's going to lead him eventually to the seedy part of town. And in the seedy part of town, he finds Gomer, who has apparently got herself into a situation of sexual slavery. And basically, he has to negotiate with her pimp and then buy his wife back at the price of a common slave and bring her home. Can you even fathom or imagine that? But God is says, God saying, look, this is how I love my people. Now, we would come along, if we saw Hosea in this situation, we would say, bro, that chick is toxic. You got to get away. You got to protect your kids, man. You got to like protect future generations. You got to draw some boundaries. Haven't you read that book, Boundaries? Like, come on. Right? Right? But remember, this isn't a story about how we deal with marital infidelity. This is a story about how God loves his people. And this is a story about a man who was called to something hard and difficult who ultimately pushed through because God had called him and he found it worth it. So in our lives, love the calling you have, not the one you wish you had. Here's how I fell in love with my calling again. Here's how I moved from sitting on that American Airlines flight, ready to quit and ready to walk away, to a place of energy and excitement about what God is doing in the hearts and lives of our church community. I began to simply rejoice again in the God who called me. I got, listen, I got my focus off the problems I got my focus off the frustrations, I got my focus off of all the drama going on around me, and I just started looking up again, and I said, God, look, you called me. You are the one who put your hand in my life. You called me out to follow you and serve you. I began to focus to him, and listen, when I began to rejoice in the God who called me, I started to rejoice again in what he called me to, right? But it started with God, like everything. It started with God. And I had to get on my knees again and realize, look, I had, somebody said it so well here, I had moved away from devotional practice, and it had left me devoid and tired and vulnerable. I couldn't remember the last time that I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me in my life. I can't believe you just said that. But you know, that's what happens when you run from one thing to the next, from one ministry event to the next, from one platform to the next, from one talk to the next. I couldn't remember the last time. You know what I do now, before I get out of bed, when I open my eyes, this has been my practice for my best days over the last couple years since that moment, before I even get up, I open my eyes, I say, Holy Spirit, fill me before I even before my feet hit the ground right may it not be my way but your way will you guide me and lead me and fill me I need you I'm open to you I want what you want for me in my life when I rejoiced in the God who called me I began to rejoice again in what he called me to change the dynamic for me in my heart and in my life so what about you in your life love the calling you have not the one you wish you had here's another principle love your church and your city love go and love your church and your city i uh i carry in my pocket every day a recovery chip uh it's interesting wendy were i think you were sharing about uh the verse um, that god's grace is sufficient for you which on the back of my recovery chip it says uh, my grace is enough for you. On the front it just says, 28 years, celebrate recovery. Nothing magic about it. <laughs> Long time ago, right, another life. And people say, why, why do you carry that? Like really, people walk up to me like at the grocery store. You really carry that chip in your pocket? And I whip it out and they're like, wow, you really do carry that everywhere. <laughs> every night, before I go to bed, I set it by the bathroom sink. And every morning when I get up, I take it off the bathroom sink and I put it in my pocket and uh, it's kind of a pain. It's sort of in the way, bangs around on my keys, you know, it makes noise, it's a nuisance. And I don't carry it because I'm chained to the past. I carry it because it reminds me that when I was 17 years old, caught up in a four-year drug addiction and really just at the end of myself, I walked into a local church and it was the church community that God used to save my life. And it was a small group of people that walked with me and encouraged me in that moment to experience the goodness and the grace of God. And so people, sometimes, there are people out there, they criticize the church. They People that love to judge the church. There are people that love to nitpick everything wrong with the church. The church is messy, but the church is the hope of the world. And I've experienced it in my own life. And all I want to do in my life, all you want to do in your life, is get back to that simple message, God saved my life through the people of the church. And we want to be a life-saving community to others who need his goodness and his grace. That's why I carry this in my pocket. I carry it every day because I don't want to forget. I do not want to forget what God has done in my life. I do not want to forget what God can do in somebody else's life. Think about it. I mean, I think about this coin. It reminds me that look, there are people that drive me crazy. There are people I've met with 30 times and I think you're never gonna get it. Then I think about this coin. And remember that for years people tried to help me and I didn't get it but my day finally came right where the Holy Spirit broke through all that mess and all that noise and said, no, Judge, you're gonna follow me in faithfulness. Look, I I carry this because there are times where I get a little judgmental. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's times where I I see somebody coming and I know, I just know by the gate and by the walk, extra grace required is on the way. And that's why I carry this coin, because one day there was a time where that was me, where I was extra grace required, where I was a mess. And there was a time where I have to just pause and remember all that God has done in my life. Here's what I'm saying. God changes lives through his church. And if you're gonna be true to your calling, you have to look past the negativity, the critics. You gotta look past the bloggers and those who might attack you on social media. Listen, you gotta look past people in your church who might come after you or make a comment on your Facebook page. You gotta find your ways to hang on to what God has done in your heart and life so that you can push all that aside and help other people experience what you experienced. Go in love, no, go in love your church the one god's called you to not the one you wish you were in go and love your people the one god's called you to love not the one you wish god called you to love so you're like i wish god had called me to a different area if i was in a different area you know people would be more spiritually mature people be younger people would actually have money or Go and love the people God's called you to. And when you do, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. I remember uh, shortly after, I've been at Central. This is my 15th year now. And uh, I followed a great leader, uh, which sounds better than it is. And I remember stepping in, and in the first six or eight months, you know, this church was, was already uh, large, and, and, and immediately uh, we dropped about 1,500 people. And it, it was scary. The first year I was here, I told Lori, don't unpack the boxes, my wife. And we, we left the boxes in our garage. Because I'm not an idiot, I know, all this, I know all the stories, right? Like you don't, you don't follow an 18 year, successful, gifted person of integrity and survive very often. So we left all the boxes in the garage and we kind of went through that whole season and the attendance was dropping and it looked like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna make it a year. It's gonna be a record. In fact, when I came to this church, even though it was large, all of my friends told me, what are you doing? This is suicide. Like, don't do this. But Lori and I had heard so clearly from the Holy Spirit, and I was so open to going to a smaller church, not going to a larger church. I was open to planting whatever God will call me to do, not necessarily moving, you know, just leapfrogging from big to bigger. I was wide open to what God would have me do, but we heard so clearly from the Holy Spirit, and this is what we heard, you have to go, you don't have to survive. Those are two separate things, right? Some of you, you're planting right now. Some of you, you're getting ready to launch in five days. You heard the call to go. That's the main call. That's the big call. And you were faithful to that call. The call is to go and be faithful in the moment. And even if people are knocking around in your heart right now, even if it's hard, don't give up and don't give in. Look, God will take care of the survival part. You be faithful to going. Go and love your church. Go and love your community. And as you love your church, as you love your community, it's going to get messy. It was messy for Hosea and Gomer, right? I mean, it was messy. Can you imagine going and, can you imagine trying to be a single dad on and off, raising kids from multiple uh, fathers? You know, they're not even necessarily all your I mean, Jerry Springer got nothing on the Bible. But God still says, go and love again. Go and love again. Go in love again. It would get messy. I remember when we had uh, one of our board members came up to me, I was standing out in the lobby and he said, hey Judd, uh, my wife and I, our family, we're gonna leave the church. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know this was coming, right? I remember standing there like, what? He said, yeah, we're gonna leave the church. I said, why? You know, like, and why are you telling me this between services in the lobby? Wow. Hello. And he said, well, we used to reach lost people, but now we're really reaching lost people, and it's making us uncomfortable. I'm like, I, I didn't even know there's a scale. There's like some sliding scale somewhere. Like, you're sort of lost, right? But you were really lost. I thought you were lost or you were found. It's just me. Like, I didn't know there was a scale. It hurts, right? I remember when a lady left our church shortly after that, she said, you know what? I just come in. She says, when I sit in these seats, I'm not even sure what I might catch from the person who could have sat in the seat before me. And I remember saying to her, I think Jesus is more offended by what you just said and by your heart and attitude than by whatever that person may have been doing in their life. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But it's messy. It's messy. I remember when uh, you know we I remember when this guy was leaving one one time he's walking out of the church and he said to one of our ushers I was actually right out here in the lobby he said to the usher he goes, "Hey man, we, you, there's a there's a there's a guy up in the back area of the auditorium and I think he's dead." <laughs> no lie. And they just kept going. You might want to check on that. So we go back, you know, and there's a guy like in the back, right? He's completely out. He's like laying over the seat in front of him. And of course, we all walk around and medical people are coming. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, you think he's dead? I think he's dead. I'm going to poke him, you know, like, (laughs) poke him. and And he starts moving and we're all relieved. The guy wasn't dead. He was drunk. He had passed out drunk at the end of the service, which I'm like, man, what is it? Like, how much do you have to drink to go the whole hour, stand up at the end and then pass out? I don't know. Was he drinking during the service? I don't know what happened, right? But, but the, guy was, the guy was drunk and we were all relieved. But as I, as I thought about that, like, like that, that doesn't bother me as much as the guy that left, like there's a guy who fell over in your church in front of you that could be dead. Just let the usher know on the way out. Hey man, I think you got a dead guy up there. They wouldn't do that in Texas. But they'll do it in Vegas. You're on your own out here, man. You're in the wilderness. I remember this guy came in one day, and he had a, a, a four in the morning. He just found an open door walking around our building. Of course, it's all on cameras now, so we can see everything. The guy comes in, and he's got a leotard on. No, I'm not, four in the morning, he's got a leotard on, and he's walking around the church. You can see it on camera. I actually uh, have, had this for a while on my phone. Um, And he's smoking a cigarette And his leotard. And at one point he, he comes around and, and you know, we, we follow him you know, on the cameras, he comes around and he goes in the backstage area and he, he steals one of the laptop computers and then, then he leaves. So the next morning, we, we were, he wasn't smart enough to turn the tracing software off, you know, so we're able to open a computer, figure out his address, where the computer's at and all that. So we're able to send him a message, right? Like, hey, here's the address that we're gonna tell the cops they're gonna need to go to if you don't bring the computer back. Right, And then sure enough, an hour and a half later, another location of ours, our computer showed up on the front steps of the church with this little note. I'm sorry that I stole the church, that I stole the computer and all of that. But here's what I love. Christianity Today, I did a little just Instagram post on that. Christianity Today picked up the post and the post was like, hey, check this out. And I just took a picture of the note. I didn't give all the backstory. I just took a picture of the note. Christianity Today picks it up and runs a headline story, Thief Returns Computer, and then they talk about his repentance and all this stuff, and I'm like, that's a little more messy than that. Look, you and I, we see what God does in other churches, and sometimes all we see is the fruit, right, but beneath all that is messy, it's messy. It's messy in people's lives. It's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. It is for all of us. I remember one moment I pulled onto our property here and somebody got the idea that we would take our homeless ministry and we would give them a ministry, which is awesome. I love that. But the ministry they wanted to give them was to be the first thing people see when they pull onto our property, they would be the parking team. So we put them in, you know, little highlighted things and we gave them the little dealy, you know, that you direct traffic with and all of that and I remember pulling onto the property and I'm like, hey, what who is this guy? You know, he's he looks like he's from the Lord of the Rings and he's standing there and he's got his he's got his traffic thing and and, and I pull in and I notice like he's not looking at anybody. He's just like this. I'm like, that's really strange. I'm gonna have to mention that to somebody. And, 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 and I pull, like, I'm usually not pulling on property this late. It was just the last minute thing. And so, and so then I, I, turn, I turn right and, and there's another guy and he's not even standing up. He's just sitting down with the little thing in his, in his lap, just sitting there. I'm like, what is going on? Well, come to find out. Feeling better about yourself? Come to find out, somebody got the idea, like, we'll, we'll take these, the, our homeless ministry, and, and they need to do a ministry, and I agree, that's, that's awesome, right? But they took the head homeless guy, they said, you recruit other homeless people to help with the parking ministry, and we'll we'll pay everybody two bus tokens. And the head homeless guy then turned around and told all his friends, look, they're gonna pay you two bus tokens. I'll let you be on my, my ministry if you pay me one of your two bus tokens. So he's working the homeless bus token racket, right? Recruiting guys, paying in to then serve back to God. All I'm telling you is if you're gonna love people, if you're gonna serve your city, it's gonna get messy, it's gonna be hard. You're gonna to wanna to quit. You're gonna say I've had enough, right? You're gonna feel like you're herding cats and the cats aren't following orders very well. But go and love your church and your city. Love the calling you have, not the one you wish you had. And listen, it's worth it when you remember the fruit. I got a letter a while back from a lady that is living in Florida. And she said, Look, I, I just wanted to write. I never told you my story, but she said, A few years ago, uh, I came to your church. It's the first time I'd ever been to church. And I walked in. And I was brought by a friend of mine that you know, and she mentioned her friend. Her friend had kind of an outreach and a ministry to girls in the adult entertainment industry. And she said, uh, this friend brought me to church. And when I walked in, she said, I had so much shame and guilt. And I was afraid I was going to be looked down upon and judged. And I had all this going on in my heart. She goes, then imagine my horror when I walk in the lobby and this friend says, oh, look, it's the pastor. (laughs) And she's like, no, I don't want to meet the pastor. I don't want to look at the pastor. I don't want to have anything to do with the pastor, right? But she grabbed her by her arm and she brought her over to me. And she said, we were standing there in that moment. And she introduced me to you. And she said, I could tell because you know what she does, and you know the kind of women she works with, that you knew what I did, that I knew you knew what I did. And she said, I just kind of braced myself. And she said, what I want you to know is the moment that marked my life was simply that you never flinched. You just threw your arms around me, gave me a huge hug, and said, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And she said, that simple welcome started a spiritual journey in my life. She said, two weeks later, I came back, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. She said, right after that, I got out of Las Vegas. That's the thing, Pastor Benny and Wendy and, uh, and, and all of us who live and work, I got a couple of great church planners right here in the Las Vegas area. That's the difference about kind of our work is, is sometimes we lead people to Christ and then we tell them, you need to go home, right? You gotta get out. She said, I left, I went back, I went back home. I got out of that industry, I got out of all that stuff. And she said, uh, I met a, a Christian man, uh, it's been two years, we started dating, we serve our church, and she said, they were shooting a video on our testimony and all our involvement with our church in Florida. She said, I had to write you because I never told you the story of what God did through a simple hug. Listen, what you're doing the work you're doing. I know sometimes you're exhausted. I know sometimes it feels like the weight is more than you can carry. Sometimes you feel like Moses. And when you do, I want you to remember this message. You're not alone, you're just normal. You're not alone, you're just normal. But don't you give up don't you quit. Don't you quit when people turn on you. Don't you quit when it's hard. Don't you quit when you have a bad offering and an offering after an offering and an offering and offering and offering and offering after an offering. Don't you quit when a family that you love leaves the church for whatever reason. Don't you quit when a staff member stabs you in the back. Don't you give up just because people have driven through your heart and done demolition derby. You don't let anybody steal the calling that God has put in your heart and in your life. It wasn't your calling. It was his calling. He's the one who declared you as a pastor and a leader he's the one who put his hand in your life he's the one who sent you forward to make a difference it's not about you it's not about your weakness it's not about your failure it's not about your fear it's about god and his glory and his fame and who he is and who he's called you to be you stand in that calling you stand in it serve from it live in it and you'll see god move through you and you celebrate those stories love the calling you have not the one you wish you had. Listen, rejoice in the God who called you and you will rejoice again in what he called you to. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for every one of these pastors and leaders. I thank you for their faith, for their love for you, for the awesome way you move and work in their heart and in their lives. And I pray that over the next couple days, even in conversations that we move into now, that you'll reaffirm that calling, that you'll restore, that you'll strengthen, and that you'll support. And that God will leave here after two days just lit up to serve you with renewed passion. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Come on, Ark.